Well, ladies and gentlemen, young and old, boys and girls, wherever you may be listening or however you may be listening, welcome back to Next Generation 412, the show that helps teens and young adults and adults understand the Bible and applying its truths to everyday life. I am your host, as always, Minister to. God and help you its biblical truths and principles to your everyday life. But thank you so much for joining me today, and I hope and pray every single one of you has had a blessed Christmas. And I know I might be a little late on this, but I don't care. Merry Christmas to every single one of you. Now, I want to continue on with the message of Christmas for a moment since we are still in the month of December, and before you know it, we'll be into a whole new year. And this upcoming Sunday, I will be uploading some messages and sermons about the new year and what God has in store for every single one of you. Today, I want to talk to you all for a few moments on the emphasis and the concept of watching and waiting for the King. One of the greatest stories I have ever heard is the story of a dog named Hachiko. Now, Hachiko was the Akita dog of a Japanese professor. Every day when the professor returned home from work, Hachiko would meet his master at the train station. One day, the professor died at his job and did not return to the station. So for the next nine years, until he died, Hachiko sat at the station waiting for his master to return. By his actions, the professor had promised Hachiko that he would come. Years didn't matter. But Hashiko waited faithfully. Now, when we entered into the holiday season, we were doing everything that we could to make sure we were prepared for the holiday Christmas season. Whether it was ranging from mailing out gifts, Christmas cards, Christmas shopping, baking goods, decorating the house, and so much more. The anticipation for Christmas seems to rally the world and bring joy to our homes. Yes, that's a true statement, but it can go even children to be watching and waiting and preparing our hearts and minds for the coming king. Now, as the people of Israel were preparing our, their hearts and minds for the king, how much more are we preparing for the coming of Jesus Christ? So let's take a look at what the prophecies of the Bible have to say about a group of individual people who are waiting for the coming of the Messiah. Let's start off with the people of Israel. For centuries, the people of Israel have been crying out for a deliverer, a Messiah, a Savior, to save them. In fact, in Galatians 4.4, it says, But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Son, born from a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth into your hearts the spirit of his sons, crying, Abba, Father, or Daddy. Now, why is that so important? 
Because what we have to understand, when you open the pages of the New Testament, Rome was ruling the world. Rome was this mighty empire. It was this mighty conquering nation. was to bear the Roman whip or the Roman sword. Now and then there were uprising and threats throughout Palestine. But Rome ruled Palestine with an iron fist. And there was no way to escape that of the mighty hand of the cruel conquerors. In fact, my good friend, Dr. Erwin Lutzer, uh, president of the Moody Bible College Institute in Chicago, Illinois, described it like this. At the very least, suggests a savior a warrior, a god that would grab the Roman world by the throat and beat it into submission. The Jews during the time of Jesus held to the almost universal belief that when the Messiah came, he would be a son of David, he would sit upon the throne of David, and it wasn't difficult for these oppressed people to believe that the greatness of Israel would be restored, just as it was many centuries earlier when the youngest son of Jesse ruled upon the throne. You know, the idea of any other type of salvation simply did not occur to them during that time. And so the people of Israel were waiting. And no Savior had come. Many people believed God kept his promise. and waiting for his arrival. And that was the Kings. Now I'm not talking about the NBA team, the Sacramento Kings, not those type of Kings, but I'm talking about the three Kings of Matthew chapter two, in which we get our Christmas Carol, we three Kings, and also as well, the little drummer boy. And also I thought I saw three ships come in. In Matthew chapter two, in verse one through two, it reads as follows according to the modern English version. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east, and they have come to worship him. Now, these men, who were pagan astrologers, who knew nothing about the Hebrew God, who were involved with spirits and enchantments, Something grabbed their attention one night, and it was a star shining so brightly than any other star. And they wondered, what could this star mean? They were watching that star. They were wondering, what did it all represent? And then all of a sudden, one of them may have suggested, maybe it has to do with the prophecy of a coming Messiah or a coming king. Because I found one of the scrolls, and here's what it says about the coming Messiah. So that's when they packed up their belongings. And it probably took them maybe a year or two to travel from the desert to arrive at Jerusalem and then make the trek to Bethlehem. 
Now, these wise men were Persian and Babylonian astrologers, and they confirmed for the world the signs that occurred in the heavens. Now, these men had great status in the courts in the Middle East in those days. And note, too, they may have seen this vantage viewpoint of the star from Babylon. Now, the knowledge of the coming of the Messiah based upon the star, their knowledge of it probably came from the prophecy of Daniel, who was leader of the Magi during the time of the captivity. And we are told that in the book of Numbers that the scepter of leadership as the king. Can you say amen? Now, when it comes to understanding the message of the Bible, we understood that these three kings traveled far and wide, and eventually they found a newborn child. They bowed down and offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh and worshipped him. They realized this wasn't no ordinary child. This was the child who was predicted by the prophets themselves. And another group that were also watching and waiting were the shepherds. Now, the shepherds were the most ignored people of their day because they were considered. To anybody, but instead he sent the message to the shepherds, saying to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. They were watching and waiting, perhaps, for the coming of the Messiah. And then lastly, you have Anna and Simeon, the two elderly people that were in the temple while Jesus was being circumcised. It says that in Luke 2, 25, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And eventually the Holy Spirit revealed to Simeon the baby in Mary's arms, was indeed the promised Messiah. And that's when Simeon would go into this time of prophecy, prophesying by the Spirit of God, rejoicing at the coming of the Messiah, and the same way for Anna. Now, if these people that we've looked at, the wise men, the shepherds, the people of Israel, and Anna, if they were the ones who watched and waited for the coming king, then why should we be watching and waiting for his arrival? He came the first time with salvation, Could you say amen? Why is it so important that we watch and wait for his return? The anticipation of his coming is that you have over 1,845 references of his coming from Genesis to Revelation. As a matter of fact, there are over 318 references of his return in the New Testament. His return is mentioned in no less than in about 17 Old Testament books. Seven out of ten chapters in the New Testament refers to his return. And even Jesus mentioned his return over 21 times. In his first coming, it dealt with his redemption. In his second coming, in his return, he's going to bring evil on an un he's going to bring evil to a crashing end and judgment on an unbelieving world and hope to the trouble. So how can we prepare for his return? We could prepare ourselves by watching, by being ready, 
by serving him, by being expectant, being diligent, being ready, being untroubled, being hopeful, confident, steadfast, and full of alert. We can do all of that. So what's the end of all of these things? What things. You see, everything about Christmas points to the expectant love with which we should seek and find him. So we have to be eager and expectant for the love of Christmas, for God wants to appear to you. So live with that sense of anticipation. God wants you to see Jesus more clearly this Christmas and in the years to come, each and every single day of our lives as well. The Christmas spirit gives us a longing for Christ that far exceeds the excitement of children waiting to open their presents. Jesus gives us certainty of hope, of seeing him, and being in his presence. So walk with God, love God, and feel his love because he is near and he is close by. And if you want to feel his presence, if you want to feel him being close by and near to your heart and life, then I urge you to bow your head, close your eyes, and repeat this prayer with me. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, I am a sinner in need of your mercy, in need of your grace, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that you died for me, that you were buried, you ascended on high, and that you're coming again for me. I thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit to walk alongside me, to lead me, direct me, and guide me into all truth. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And if you prayed that prayer, the Bible tells us that there is joy in the presence of God and the presence of the angels over one sinner that repents, over 99 just persons, which need no repentance. So I encourage every single one of you, go in peace, serve the Lord, the presence of the Lord be with you on your journey. God bless you and the Lord.